Good morning, church, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, we are so grateful for all you do for your families and for the church. And quick shout out to my dad. Uh, here's a picture of him uh, and me and my brother during my brother's uh, his, his wedding this past year. And uh, dad, I just want to say we love you and we're so grateful um, for you and all you do for us. Um, but I am so excited to have this opportunity to be with you guys in online church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Lamoa, and I'm one of the team ministry interns here in Riverside. And, and today we're going to change things up a little bit. Uh, me and Fadi Alheen, he leads a campus ministry out in Rancho. We're going to be splitting a lesson for you guys. So bust out your, your Bibles, your notes as we dig into the second chapter of Colossians. So Colossians chapter 2. And the title of the series that we started last week is called Rooted. And primarily because uh, Paul is, is writing this letter to the Colossians uh, because some, some false teaching and philosophies have been seeping into the church at that time. And it's kind of shaking their face. So, uh, so uh, Paul, he, he pens this letter to the Colossian church uh, to kind of remind them, to urge them to stay rooted in Jesus and to not be consumed by these different false teachings and philosophies. But... This past week, I've been really reflecting and thinking about this term rooted. And, uh, you know, one of my, um, my biggest, uh, one of my things on my bucket list is I don't really want to go to, uh, Yosemite and, and see these giant sequoias. I don't know if you've ever seen these trees before, but I, I have a picture for you guys to look at. But these trees are huge. They're gorgeous. And I was doing some research, research this, this past week. And, uh, one of the crazy things about, these trees is their root systems. Um, th- these roots, they can, they can go down into the soil, down maybe like 12 to 14 feet. But what's crazy about them is they can expand outward and can cover about an acre of land. An acre of land. It's crazy. And because of this, these, these trees aren't going to go anywhere, right? No, no amount of wind or, or storm can knock these trees down, at least without a fight. And, and Paul uses this uh, similar imagery in, of roots in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6, which is kind of the, the theme passage for our series. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And as Christians, we can withstand the winds and the storms of life, similar to the sequoias, if we deeply ingrain our roots in Jesus. But you see, there are always, there are always things in life that, uh, kind of distract us from putting our roots in Jesus. Things that prevent us from focusing on Jesus. And what are some of those distractions? And that is the question that me and Fadi hope to answer with you guys this morning. The title of the sermon is Rooted or distracted, rooted or distracted. And Fadi and I are going to dig into two distractions Paul lays out in the second chapter of Colossians that prevent us from being rooted in Christ. You guys with me? So the first distraction that I'm going to be focusing on is the hollow and deceptive philosophy of self. Okay, so kind of a longer point. So make sure you guys write that down and say it again. The hollow and deceptive philosophy of self. That's the first distraction. So let's continue in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. This is what Paul says. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So I love how, how Paul starts off with saying, see to it, right? He's, he's urging, he's urging the Colossian church to stand their ground against these, these false teachings and these destructive philosophies, these false uh, teachings. Uh, Jake mentioned them last week, but they're Gnosticism, um, Jewish legalism and Greek and Roman cultures that have been kind of seeping in. And he's just trying to make sure, Paul is just really trying to make sure that the Colossians understand that these deceptive philosophies, these teachings that they are being exposed to are dangerous and destructive to their faith. So let's, let's fast forward to today though. Okay. Fast forward to today. I don't think a lot of these philosophies and, 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 uh, and teachings that the Colossians were facing, uh, I don't think a lot of us, uh, here in, in 2020 are taken captive by these different things. Maybe, maybe somewhere around the world and stuff, but especially here in this whole Western culture, um, these philosophies aren't really what's kind of taking us captive, but there are still real deceptive, destructive philosophies that we still can get sucked into if we're not careful, just like these Colossians. Things that are of, of human tradition, rather than on Christ. And I was thinking about some of these and, you know, the, there's a belief here in America of, uh, or philosophy that money buys happiness, right? That some people truly believe that if they uh, somehow attain all this wealth and, 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 and goods or whatever the case may be, they'll be happy or they'll be happier if they didn't have those things. Deceptive, hollow philosophy. Uh, I think about astrology that, uh, people somehow get info about life through the ways the stars align. Deceptive, hollow philosophy. I even think about, you know, superstitions and I think we can, we can kind of, you know, buy into these things and it's kind of a fun thing to say, but you know, when people say break a leg or don't walk under a ladder or knock on wood, right? There are some groups of people that truly believe that these are real things that they need to avoid. Hollow, deceptive philosophy that the list can go on and on, but I think I was trying to think, okay, what is relevant today? What is relevant for the IE church? What is a deceptive worldly philosophy that we can buy into that can distract us from Jesus, can, that can distract us from being rooted in him? And one of the biggest beliefs I see the world, particularly here in the West, buy into is what I call the philosophy of self. Okay, I'll say it again. The philosophy of self, this idea that I live for me and me alone. And, and and growing up, I, I was kind of taught this, not directly, not by my parents, or whatever, but just kind of growing up just at school and observing and, and watching movies and stuff. Like, I just knew, okay, I got to grow up and I needed to get a degree. I got to go to college. I got to make a bunch of money so that I could live a comfy life. But it was just really centered around me, 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 I, I, I. And and as horrible as it sounds, it, it, it was pretty much idolatry. I, I idolized myself. But I think all of us can kind of buy into this philosophy of self one way or another, right? So think about it for you. How can you buy into this idea, this this Western way of thinking? That when you think, how can I get this job? I deserve it. Or how can I get this promotion? How can I share my opinion? Because, oh man, my opinion matters the most. Or how can I look spiritual? How can I get the attention? Again, me, me, I, I. You see it? And where this falls short, this this philosophy of self 
fall short is when you think so much about you, you take out the ability to love other people. Did you get that, church? I'll say it one more time. When you think so much about you, you take out your ability to love other people. Church, the, the first step of being rooted in Jesus is you cannot be consumed with yourself. You cannot be consumed with yourself. And we cannot buy into this, this philosophy, this distraction that prevents us from truly being rooted in Jesus because Jesus never taught us to be consumed with ourselves. If anything, he, he taught the complete opposite. Right? There's scripture after scripture of Jesus' teaching that talks about how rather than us being consumed with ourselves, we got to go and be consumed with loving other people. Love. You know, in John 13, verse 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. First John 4.11 Dear friends, since God so loved you, we also ought to love one another. First Peter 4.8 Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. See, yourself is a distraction. Being consumed with yourself is a distraction. But we got to be able to love other people if we are to be rooted in Jesus. And honestly, I have... um I gotta share, I have given into this philosophy of self, philosophy of self for years. You know, I've been so consumed with, with my life and the life that I wanted to make, the career that I wanted to pursue and what I wanted to do that I was ignorant to what was really happening in the world. And, and these, these past couple of weeks, I felt so much, felt so much shame, uh, felt so much anger. Uh, a lot of sadness. Um, and, and I felt very, very guilty. And and God just really opened up my eyes to the reality of the world that we live in. That there is systemic racism still prevalent here in the United States. That there is prejudice and there is injustice and hurt. And I, I've put myself in this in this bubble for years. Just growing up for years, I put myself in this bowl because I didn't, those things didn't make me feel good. And you can see how I was given to that philosophy of self. I, I just didn't make me feel good. So I chose to be purposely ignorant to these different things. Because I was thinking about me, not other people. And God, I'm sure many of you too, God just smacked me in the back of the head. And help me see that I need to wake up. I really need to wake up. And to my black, to my black brothers and sisters who are watching, I want to say I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for my for my ignorance, for my selfishness, for my pride. That this this was a sin of omission. That I didn't do what I what I knew was good. And I'm so so sorry from the bottom of my heart. And and church, if we if we call ourselves Christian, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus who want to be rooted in him, we need to love like him. We cannot be consumed with ourselves. And church, we need to stand with our brothers and sisters of color in love. Because that is what it looks like to be rooted in Jesus. Not rooted in ourselves, but rooted in Jesus, which requires love. We can't be distracted by ourselves 
or our opinions or our political views. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 to 4. This is what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And and we know the scripture well, don't we? We know, we love it, we heard of it. But the question is, are we living it? When you, when you see someone asking for help, or for justice. Do you stand with them? And, and, and what I see a lot is. Don't compare your experience with theirs. Don't compare your experience with theirs. Because you think about a time when you just needed help. You were hurting in, in some way. And you needed help. Especially Initially you you don't want someone to come and just fix your problem. You want someone to listen right. You want someone to just to sit with you. To cry with you, to, to hold your hand, to struggle with you, to hurt with you. We need to, to love them, love people in this way. Love people who are hurting, who are oppressed in this way. Not being so quick to speak, but just to sit and love. We need to go out of our way to, to encourage people, to, to lift people up. Our friends, our, our neighbors, our family, our coworkers. I'm just going to go and say 2020 has just been a horrible year. <laughs> so much stuff has happened uh, and it's only uh, half the year has gone by. This is the time where we need to be so loving. We need to be the light of the world like Jesus calls us to be. To call people, to lift people up, to, to give gifts and just to show up. Uh, people who are on the front lines are sacrificing their lives and their time to, to save lives. How can we give to them? How can we love them? How can we be encouraging to them? People who got furloughed, who are affected by COVID-19 physically or financially, how can we be a light? How can we love them? How can we think about them rather than ourselves? Church, we should not be bystanders. Because there's a thing in social psychology called the bystander effect. <clears throat> and in this bystander effect, it says that People are, are less likely to help someone when there are other people around. So let's say you're at a, you're at a mall or something or a public place and you see like a little boy crying. You're less likely to help that person because just in, in our nature, we just assume that someone else in that big group of people that you're in are going to help them. That's the bystander effect. We cannot buy into this bystander effect because as Christians, we need to be the ones who are running to sprinting to people who are calling for help, who need love. People should see us and be confident that that we are the ones are gonna we are the ones that are gonna love them and walk with them every step of the way because that is what it looks like to be rooted in Jesus. But to do that, we just cannot be blindsided by ourselves, what we want, our opinions. We need to see that Jesus calls us. To put other people above ourselves. We cannot be consumed with ourselves. The world needs healing. But we need to choose to be rooted in Jesus. And, and church, I, I said a lot. I said a lot. And I, I just, it is my prayer and my hope that you are edified and convicted by the scriptures. Even if, if anything, everything that I said just kind of went over your head. 
look back at the scriptures that we talked about this morning. That's what's important. We need to be rooted in Jesus. We cannot be consumed with ourselves. So that was the first distraction. I'm going to hand it over to Fadi. He's going to go over uh, the second distraction for for us. Um, But I love you, church, and I'll see you soon. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris, for talking about the first distraction that can remove us from God's presence and cause emptiness in our day-to-day life in Jesus. Chapter 2, Paul is showing the Colossian church that uh, though there are many philosophies and ideologies out there on the street, there is one true wisdom. And somehow, some weird way, this wisdom includes and addresses everything they need to know. He's telling them that that wisdom is founded in none other than Jesus and, it, and the truth is, this is still true today. In the church, we don't need any other wisdom from anywhere else except the one that comes from Jesus. And that brings us to the second distraction that distracts us from being rooted in the presence of God, and that is human rules. Now, when you think of rules, or human rules in particular, we have rules that can be based on tradition. We can have rules that are based on what people like or don't like. Sometimes we have rules based on family, and, and sometimes our family is the only one that has these set of rules, and other families don't. It's funny now being married and coming together to organize and set up our new home. Uh, each person has their own way of organizing things based on how uh, they grew up doing it, or they were taught uh, how to do it. I mean, just to the simplest smallest things like where you put things in the fridge do you put the cut lemon up with the with the butter or do you just put it on the side or or how do you organize the the linen cabinets i mean these are small insignificant examples but what what i'm learning in marriage is that each person brings in their own set of rules or or the way of life and you learn how to mesh them together and create a new home with its new set of rules and unique lifestyles Now rules can be good and rules can be bad. But what happens is people come to God, come to church and want to learn God's rules. But then they also try to add their own rules to God's rules. And so that's exactly what Paul is addressing in his letter. In verse 16, it says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The Jews were adding their Jewish laws, enforcing it as a Christian law. When Christ came and had already fulfilled the law, and then Gentiles and Colossians who come from a very philosophical background, were also introducing false doctrine. So Paul, in in verse 16, is explaining to both of them that the blood of Christ... And the cross is sufficient. And what we find in Christ, in Christ alone, is enough. He's saying, do not introduce human laws to God's law. Paul is addressing a divided city. He's addressing a divided church. Today, we live in a divided nation. Whether you agree with it or not, or you're you're patriotic and don't want to see it. As an immigrant, the U.S. is a great country that offers so much. And every day, I'm grateful to live here. But as disciples, how do we bridge these gaps? 
that human rules can create, whether it's between races or genders? Is it by trying to find answers from people that look like us or have the same beliefs and thoughts as we do? Is it by posting more videos and more quotes that the world can give? No, the Bible says in verse 17 that the reality is found in Christ. We bridge the gap by being rooted in Christ. When things started happening, I thought, wow, maybe the world will start engaging in more conversations. Maybe the world will get rooted back in God. But the world went deeper and deeper into politics and human rules. And I see disciples engaging more with human rules than with the Word of God. And as a result, the freedom that God gave us in Him begins to disappear. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now I'm not saying everyone needs to be hush, hush, don't speak, uh, put your head down, say in your word. I, I'm saying speak up, engage, uh, be in the center of these conversations, but be and have these conversations using the word of God and not human rules. In the scripture, in 2 Peter, it says, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need, all the answers we look for is in the Bible. Bible answers racial inequality, gender inequality, economic inequality. But yet sometimes our first instinct is to read that book and watch that documentary, watch what he says, watch what she says. And some can be good and insightful, but they are based on human rules. If we are not rooted in Christ, these things can take us further and further away from godliness and goodness. Colossians 2 continues in verse 20. It says, uh, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces uh, of, his, of His world, why as though you still belong to the world? Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with the things that are destined to perish with you, with, with yous are based on merely human commands and teachings. If, if you think someone is not living a godly life in the world or even in our church, don't just show them the other perspective through human laws. Because even when enlightening and sometimes useful, it can be filled with anger and bitterness and hate. But bring them to God. If you can't find scripture that supports your thoughts, uh, regardless what it is, then you need to check yourself and ask, are my thoughts, feelings, beliefs rooted in Christ or do they come from hum human rules? Church, let us submit ourselves to godliness and not human rules. In Ephesians 2 verse 11, I really love this scripture. It says, uh, it shows us how the barrier between Gentile and Jew have been destroyed in the kingdom because of Christ. It says, remember, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups into one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of, of hostility by settling aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Do you remember when we were in the world? 
when we were foreigners to God, navigating life without God and had no hope. But then we joined God, setting aside human law, and now we're all one. We are all citizens. The world needs hope. The world is still full of racism, bigotry. Let's bring them the peace and unity that we have in the body to them. Not through what the world teaches, but what, through what God teaches. The last thing I want to say is that you are free in Christ. You have freedom in Christ. But be careful. Be careful that you try to add your laws or human laws to God's laws. Because it takes away the freedom that we have in Christ. You will wake up one day feeling burdened because you are adding uh, human laws to God's laws. And as the IE church navigates its ways around reopening, around appointing elders, or, or how to address civil issues, be careful in addressing and bringing human laws. Let us hold on to God's laws and be rooted, rooted in Christ.